is God and God alone. God and God alone reveals the truth of all we call unknown. And all the best and worst of men won't change the Master's plan. It's God. Let's worship the Lord together tonight. Let's sing Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. Yeah. 
Amen. You glad you're safe tonight? Amen. Amen. We're glad that you're here. And let's pray for those. Of course, many are away for the holiday weekend, and we just want to rejoice that they're allowed to get away and get some rest and pray that they're back here real soon to rejoice with us and worship together. Uh, Two weeks from today, we're having a special bus promotion Sunday on the Sunday morning, kind of a back-to-church Sunday for the kids. And so would you pray to that end that the Lord would bless that? That's going to be on Sunday morning just two weeks from now on the 17th of September, and we're looking forward to a great day in the house of God that day. But the man that was possessed by a legion, you know, we just sang a song, Amazing Grace, My Chains Fell Off. You know, as we read this story, the Bible says in Mark 5, verse 2, And when he came out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. They tried. They tried physically to put chains on this man, but the the legion, the, the demons that possessed him, gave him that strength to, to break that, um, those chains, but he was still bound, wasn't he? Not in physical chains, but spiritual darkness. And he had those chains that were on him, and he, he wasn't himself, he, he wasn't in control. And all the other things that affected him, because that often he had been bound with fetters and chains, the chains had been plucked asunder by him, uh, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. That's that darkness. That's the possession of Satan. You know, that's what he wants to bring into his life. And that's what he had control. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he had said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. When the Bible talks about that, that conversation that they have, But Jesus delivered him. Jesus set him free. In verse 15, the Bible says, They came to Jesus, the men of that city, they came to Jesus and saw him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. Those chains, again, not physical, spiritual chains, those chains fell off and God gave him uh, freedom. And when he was coming to that ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, and said unto him, Go home to thy friends, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Isn't that the testimony of all of us? Spiritual chains, oppression, darkness, you know, and then Jesus shows up, gives us deliverance, gives us freedom, and he says, Go and tell people about it. Go and tell them your story. You know, we call it a testimony, but it's what God has done. And I love that song, My Chains Fell Off. And for this man and for everyone here that's, that's put their faith and trust in Christ, you don't have chains. They have fallen off. God has given you freedom. Let's pray together. Lord, we do love you, God. I thank you for this story of the power of Jesus, the power of the gospel. God, I thank you that we don't live under bondage of sin. God, that you've given us freedom. You've given us victory. God, I pray that we would. We would take that to heart and we would we'd just tell every, the whole world about it. God, we love you and we just worship you tonight. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's continue to praise the Lord tonight. Psalm 150 says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let's sing Psalm 150 tonight. Praise the Lord. You made the starry holes. You praised the mountain peaks. You made the evening skies with wonder. 
probably so we can praise the Lord. So many uh, in this world, they just hide it under a bushel. But I'm thankful that we can lift up our voices and praise Him freely in our great country. Well, let's sing another tonight about praising the Lord tonight across the lands. His cry of love is heard throughout the lands. Let's sing it. You're the Word of God, the Father, from before the world began. Every sign, every planet has been fashioned by your hand. All creation holds together by the power of your voice. Let the skies declare your glory, let the land and seas rejoice. Amen. You may be seated. For the world 
Lord, we sing His hand, it's true. You're my today and my tomorrow, not living without you. So I'll give you every breath. Lord, use me as you will. You made a way when there was no way. I can't help but worship you. So I will lift my praise to the one who goes before me. Lift my praise to the one who sets me free. If I'm on the mountain high or in the valley low, I will lift my praise for the world to know. I will lift my praise for the world to know. To know. sunshine in the rain I'm surrounded by your love Lord you're my healer through the pain you're my savior you're my anchor you're my refuge through the storm I can't help but speak your name Lord we're gonna praise forevermore I will lift my praise to the one who goes before me lift my praise to the one who sets me free if i'm on the mountain high or in the valley low i will lift my praise to the one who goes before me lift my praise the one who sets me free if I'm on the mountain high or in the valley low I will lift my praise for the world to know I will lift my praise for the world to Genesis chapter 1, and we're just working our way through the battle of the ages. The battle of the ages. We had an introductory message that laid out all five attacks or points of attack by the devil. And uh, tonight we're going to look at the third one. And so we looked at, in the beginning, God, just simply his deity. And uh, we know that right from the very beginning, Satan tried to elevate himself above God. It tells us in Isaiah 14, an attack on his deity. And so we looked at that in the first week, and then we looked at, in the beginning, God created. And of course, creation and the idea of God creating the earth is under attack today. All sorts of theories that are floating around uh, that how the earth came to be, but we believe that God created the earth in six literal days. And we praise the Lord that he has, uh, I mean, if God has all the power that we believe he has, why would we believe anything different? And he can do whatever he chooses, whenever he, he could have created it in six seconds if he wanted to. But he is God of order and he laid it out for us in six days. And then tonight, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, we find the third point of attack. Let us make man in our image. 
Let us make man in our image. And of course, that image of God, we hear so many people today say, well, we were all created in the image of God. I kind of challenged that thinking a little bit tonight, and we're going to see that uh, Adam was created in the image of God. The Bible says that Seth was born and created in the image and likeness of Adam. And Adam was, of course, a sinful man. And so we have departed some for Now, we may, we're going to look at the difference of an image and a likeness. All right? The Bible talks about that we are creating the image of God and also in his likeness. And we're going to look at the difference in the two, and there is a slight difference that will help us understand. And so you might say today, I'm still in the image of God because we are a representation of, but we are no longer in his likeness. And that's what God is trying to redeem to bring us back to be conformed to the image of the Son. Why? Because the Son is the express image of the Father. He wants us to look like Jesus so that we can be uh, redeemed under the Father and look like the Father. So let's, let's begin tonight in Genesis chapter 1. And if you'll read in verse 26 with me, it's going to be more of a teaching time tonight. I, I, I was trying to look at this and, and work it up as a message in a sense. And, and how do we make an application here? And we'll get the application from it. But more of it's going to be information that will just help us kind of decipher the world we live in. You know, as we look to the world, you say, why is that happening? Why is man sunk so low? Because Satan hates God. And he will do anything to destroy him and those created in his image. And so let's look at the word of God. The Bible is very plain, isn't it? That Satan is a murderer. And so let's, let's look tonight. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. Of course, we, we don't have a full doctrine developed yet as of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, but we can already see the Trinity, can't we? Let us make man in our image, the triune God. And so God is speaking to himself, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. How many of you know that the Word was present at creation and Jesus is the living Word? And so look what it says, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the flesh, uh, fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And of course, we're going to look at that later on. By the way, God created male and female. Male and female. I, I know uh, I could put you all up in the choir loft tonight because I'm preaching to the choir, right? We all believe that. We understand what the Bible says. Male and female created the hymn. But let's look tonight in particular at how God made us in his image and why that is important to us today. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. I pray that you'd help us with it. Lord, I desperately need your help, Lord. And you know my limitations. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen my body. But also, Lord, uh, as far as limitations go, I have no power aside from what the Lord Jesus Christ might give me through his Holy Spirit. And so I pray for the filling of the Spirit. I surrender to you tonight and ask for your help. And Lord, may the Spirit of God teach us tonight and, and put these things into our hearts and into our minds and help us have a clear understanding of your word. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to look tonight at the, uh, the image of God and why it is the, the attacking point of Satan, one of the attack points of Satan. You say, how, how can you prove that? And, and, you know, the Bible is very plain that Satan is a murderer. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so he is after mankind. And, and here's the, the, the end of the story, the conclusion of the lesson tonight, if you would. 
when we devalue the image of God or we devalue mankind, then man sinks into depravity. And all kinds of sin takes place. And we will see that all kinds of things happened in the Bible even after man lost control and fell into sin. And so look at, first of all, tonight, we'll see the design of this image. And let's get an idea of what the Lord is saying. The design of this image. In verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, we don't often hear those two things, don't we? Well, somebody might say, well, we were created in the image of God. But we rarely hear that we were created in the likeness of God. And so there is a difference between the two words. And we're going to look at those things uh, for a moment tonight. The word image literally means a visible representation. Think about that, a visible representation. Now, how how many of you have uh, children that maybe look like you? Does anybody have a child that looks like you? Some do, all right. How many of you ever heard them say, well, they are a spitting image of their father? You ever have that? Uh, every once in a while, I will look in the mirror and I'll see my dad. And some people will say, well, you don't look like your dad at all. But it's funny how certain characteristics come out. I have a drooping eye right here. My eyelid droops just like my dad's. And the more I get tired, the more it droops just like my dad's. And so if I'm tired after working outside or something and I look in the mirror, I'll see my dad looking back at me. There's an image there that takes place. And so we, we, we can be the image of somebody else. We can resemble somebody else. Here's what I find interesting, and this is just a side note. When God said, let us make something, and I'll just throw the word something out there. Let us make something in our image. He created man with strength and power and ability and personality. Uh, in, the, in the very breath of life, he created us. When Satan made something in his image, you look in the Bible, all the other images in the Bible that are created in the image of Satan are made of wood and brass and they're idols of stone. They are powerless. Isn't that interesting? When God has an image, it, it actually has some life to it. Satan has nothing but death. It's nothing but powerlessness. And so we see that in the scriptures, bear it out all through the Bible. And so we are created in the image of God, which is a visible representation. Are you saying this is what God looks like? No, I don't, I don't know. The, the Bible says that God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But God is saying as far as a visible representation is concerned, this is what I'm going to put on the earth. This is what I want people to think of when they think of the image of God. And so we are visible representation, but then the Bible also says we are made after our likeness. After our likeness means the the moral and the emotional side of man. And that's what it's speaking about in our likeness, that are in our morals and in our conscience and all those things, and that we have a spirit and we have a soul. And, And so... Uh, a likeness is a visible representation, or sorry, an image is our visible representation of God. And likeness means we were like God in the sense that when Adam was created, he was without sin. Isn't that right? Now, he had the ability to choose, but he did not have a sin nature. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, as by one man, Adam, sin entered The world. So sin had a starting point on the earth. Now, sin already had started somewhere. Satan had already rebelled, right? 
That serpent was in the garden before Adam sinned, and he was the one that tempted Eve and gave her to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so Satan had already fallen. He had already rebelled against God. But as far as the image of God is concerned and the likeness of God is concerned, man had no sin until Adam took of the fruit of the tree. Now, who ate first, by the way? Eve did. But Adam gets all the blame, by the way. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about today, uh, this is a wholly different idea or message, but we, we get upset about the patriarchy, don't we? There's a, a thing going around today, feminism. And, and that might bother some of you, but listen, it, it's a good thing when Adam gets the blame for sin. We don't seem to mind it then. And so Adam is taking the, rep- as the representative head of the human race, he is taking the blame for sin in Romans chapter 5. And so in that moment, we were still created in his image, but we sure didn't act like him anymore. Our likeness had changed. Now let me give you a simple illustration. You might have met somebody, you say, well, they are the spitting image of their father, but their personality is completely different. You ever met somebody like that? They have uh, the, father, the father who he looks like is a man of impeccable character, and yet this scoundrel is always in trouble. The father is a godly man, while this, this one's a charlatan or a wicked person. And so we can see that they are still in their image, and they look just like them, but they are completely, absolutely different. That is the difference between image and likeness. And I want to suggest to you today that we will see in the scriptures later on, and I'll show you in just a moment, that after the fall, after sin took place, God still referred to man as the image of God, but he no longer used the word likeness. And there's a reason why. Ephesians chapter 2, but here, here, let me fast forward to the good news. God wants to bring you back to his likeness. Ephesians chapter 2 says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Sin destroyed the likeness of God. We no longer look like him. But now uh, he wants to redeem us. So we see the design of this image, but I want you to see the downfall of this image. Look at chapter 3 of Genesis, the downfall of this image. And this is, of course, the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And we won't read all of it tonight for the sake of time. But if you'll notice in Genesis chapter 3, he says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then you shall, your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they uh, sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves uh, aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife and themselves hid from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Sin caused shame and it caused man to hide from God. 
And the Bible says that God came looking for him, and we see some consequences relayed out. First of all, the serpent Satan was doomed to crawl upon his belly in the dust of the earth all the days of his life, and the woman would now have pain in childbirth as part of her curse, and man would have to work the ground with the sweat of his brow because of thorns and thistles. But then after Adam was dismissed, the Godhead spoke to one another. And the Lord God said, behold, in verse 22, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden out of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed an east, at east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So Adam and Eve sinned and they were expelled from the Garden of Eden. The Bible says that God protected the garden so they could not return. Now we see in Genesis chapter 4, the Bible says, And Adam knew his Eve, his wife, and conceived, and she bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And again she bare a brother Abel, and Abel was keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And we see Adam and Eve begin to have children, Cain and Abel. And I, I, this is just totally aside, and you can argue and debate, I don't care, you can win. That's fine by me. I've always wondered if Cain and Abel weren't twins. Because the Bible says that Adam knew Eve, his wife, and bore Cain, and then she bore Abel, but it doesn't say he knew her again in between. And so it seems like that perhaps there's a possibility that they were twins. I don't know. But Cain was a keeper of the sheep, and, or a keeper of the ground, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep. And you know the story that in the process of time they came, and they gave an offering unto the Lord. And Cain was jealous because his offering was not received. And so what did he do? He rose up and he slew his brother Abel. And God said, the blood of Abel cries to me from out of the ground. And Cain was expelled even from his own family to be a vagabond upon the earth. Now it's interesting, if you think about Cain when he's sent forth, he says, I cannot bear it, Lord. For everywhere I go, they'll want to kill me. So God put a mark upon Cain to protect him. Wasn't it interesting that here we are, we've had Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, but there's also other people that Cain felt were a threat to him. Say, who were they? Brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews. And so we don't know how many years have passed, but enough years have passed that wherever Cain went to another, to try to go to another town and join himself. Now, I'm not saying there's millions of people on the face of the earth, but maybe hundreds, maybe a thousand and so maybe some time has passed, I don't know how long, but now Cain and Abel were full-grown man. Many other children have been born, likely, and, and so more and more have spread out and populated the earth, brothers and sisters. So Adam, Adam and Eve, think about this, Cain and Abel never had any cousins, not one. But they had brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, a mom and a dad, that's all they had. And Cain was afraid for his life, so God marked him to protect him. Well, Cain went out and he obviously took a sister to be his wife or maybe a niece i don't know how they did it back then but he took a family member to be a wife and the bible says he raised up his own city and the name of the city was Enod. and so we see that uh, man begins to grow and mankind becomes to come and uh, to, to spread out and after cain slays abel eve has another child you say what number is this everybody a lot of times we think it's number three 
But it can't be because Cain and Abel go out or Cain goes out and there's other people around, right? He found a wife somewhere. So there's other people that Adam and Eve have given birth to and perhaps hundreds. We don't know how many twins and triplets were born. We have no idea. The scripture doesn't tell us. But the Bible says that shortly after, now it's child number 423 or something like that. I have no idea. Adam and Eve lived a long time. And notice what it says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. And, ma- and male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years. So now we do know it was 130 years. And he begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Well, I think it makes sense that Seth is going to look like his dad. Now, whether or not it's talking about a physical resemblance, I think it means he had 10 fingers and 10 toes. I mean, Adam and Eve did not conceive and give birth to some other creature. He was, he was made in the likeness of Adam, or in the image of Adam, but he was also made in the likeness of Adam. And so notice that now that sin has entered the world, man is not necessarily created in the image of God, but he's created in the image of man. Now look, jump forward, if you will, to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9, and this is an important verse for us. Genesis chapter 9, and look at verse 6. Now, a lot has gone to pass. What happens in Genesis chapter 6 through 8? We have the great flood, don't we? So the population has increased dramatically, and over the course of time, we are about 1,460 years into human history by the time we get to Genesis 6. And God tells Noah to build an ark. He's already 500 years old. And he builds an ark and sets sail with his sons and, of course, their, their wives. And everybody else on the earth perishes. And God renews a covenant with man in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. And this is after the flood. And he says, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he him. But it does not say the likeness of God. Only the image. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 is very plain. When God said, let us make man, let us make him in our image and our likeness. But now he's just in his image. In other words, we still, we are that representation, that physical representation of God. But our soul is dead without Christ. We are nothing without him. We are lost and on the way to a Christless eternity. And every man, woman, and child must be justified by faith in God. And so we must turn to him. And so we see the, the downfall of this image. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 5. We have referenced that several times tonight, but let's look at it because it's important to our lesson about man and sin. Romans chapter 5. Let me, let me say this. As much as I say Satan wants to attack the image of God and he hates the image of God or he hates mankind, we are our own worst enemies. The Bible says about the lust of the eyes and the lust of flesh and the pride of life, and we, are, we sin when we are drawn away of our own lust and enticed. We have, a, we have a free will and we have a sin nature, and we give in way too often. 
God says we're to be holy as Christ is holy, and that's a choice we must make to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. And so though Satan attacks and he throws temptation in our path, and we, we know so well because of the very visual representation of that when Christ was tempted by Satan in the desert, we still have a choice. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore unto God and, f- and resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we have a choice to resist that sin. Romans chapter 5, look at verse 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered in the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, uh, until the, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the, listen to this, the similitude of Adam's transgression. You say, what does the word similitude mean? It is the New Testament word for the Old Testament word likeness. It means to be the same as. So though we are created in the image of God, we sin in the similitude or likeness of Adam. That is what we are. Listen, you did not, you did not have a sin nature because you sinned. You sinned because you have a sin nature. After the similitude of Adam. Sin had entered the world and, and done its work. Satan attacked and he won a great battle against man. So you can be a resemblance to God and you can be the image of God. But unfortunately, let's be honest, in a sinful state or a sinful condition, we don't represent God very well. We're not much like him or as he would desire us to be. But isn't it good news that God has a plan to redeem mankind, to change us, to conform us to the image of his son? So that brings us to the third thing. What is the desire for this image? What is his desire for this image? What is God desiring for fallen man? Well, he desires a return to the image of God. I want you just to count off in your mind tonight. I, I looked them all up, but it would have taken me an hour to read them all. How many verses in the Bible can you just think of off the top of your head that say, put off the old and put on the new? Let's crucify the affections and the lusts of this life. We are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But listen to this, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we were already perfect and holy and just and right, we would need to be transformed. But we no longer look like God wants us to look. And so he says we must be transformed. Romans chapter 5, you're already there, look at verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Isn't that good news? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. For if through the obedience of one many be dead, or for the, sorry, the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ hath, aband, uh, hath abounded unto many. You have to forgive me when I misspay a word. I, my mind is filling in some of these letters as we go. And not as it were, was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by the one to condemnation. But the free gift 
is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Can I summarize that verse for you? Here's what it says. You're a great sinner, but he's a great God. He has got much more grace than you can ever give him credit for. And he's willing to forgive you and to love you and to show mercy upon you. No matter what you've done, his grace is more abundant. Verse 18. Therefore, as by the, uh, by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience... Many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Listen, here's what he's saying. You could be Adam or you can follow Christ. You were born with a sin nature after the similitude of Adam, and you can continue down that path all you want, but it's destruction, it's death, it's a place called hell, or you can follow after Jesus Christ and be redeemed and find grace and be forgiven and, and be, find mercy and have eternal life if you follow Christ. Verse 20, moreover the law entered that the uh, offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What is God's desire for a fallen image, uh, one that had been created perfect and sinless and, and, and fell because he gave in to temptation and followed after his heart? God says, I want to redeem you. I want to make you right. And so we see... The desire for this image. I want you to see, first of all, the need for change. The need for change. I had mentioned a moment ago to think in your mind of all the verses that come to mind and how they just pop. They say, we need to be changed. Uh, How about uh, you must be born again? Uh, We need new life in Christ. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That, That implies that we are living without everlasting life. That there's a change that must take place in our lives. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. There's that word again. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. He says the more that we look unto Jesus... The more we learn about Christ, the more we study Him, the closer we draw to Him, we are looking at Him as if in a glass. And we are changed into that same image. That's not a bad thing. Because He is the express image of the Father. He wants us to change, to be like Him. Listen to this verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we see throughout the scripture the need for change. That God doesn't want to leave us where we are as this fallen image, but he wants to redeem us. But how does that happen? Not only does the Bible express a need for change, it tells us we have a need for Christ. That we must come to Him. 
And why? Why Christ? Because Hebrews chapter 1 says this, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, the word image in the New Testament means something a little bit different than it does in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we have the word image and likeness. We have the word image, which means a physical representation. We have likeness, which speaks about our character and our soul. And we know that's what sinned and fell. But here's what it means in the New Testament. To be conformed to the image of the Son means both. It is a combined word that implies that not only are we the physical representation, but he also wants us to be a spiritual representation of what God wants us to be. And so... We look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7. Here's, here's something that I find interesting. Listen to this verse. Talking of Jesus, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Jesus Christ became like you so that you could become like him. Isn't that a wonderful thing? He became God in the flesh that he could pay the price for sins on the cross because you couldn't afford that price. And he died upon the cross of Calvary. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7 that he made himself in the likeness of men. But verse 8 says that he humbled himself and became obedient unto the death of the cross. He was our representation on the cross, it was, it was a vicarious death, or it means he took our place. Romans chapter 8, verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, like you. And for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. What a trade. That God would become like us, that he could free us, and we could become like him. Now listen, don't get caught up. We're not Mormons where we believe that we will all be gods. It doesn't say we be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We are joint heirs with Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 that for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You see, it's through Christ that this change takes place. Man was placed in the Garden of Eden, and that image of God was corrupted and tarnished, and it fell. And though we might still look like a visible representation, we no longer look like a spiritual representation. But Jesus Christ came to pay the price for those sins that we could be redeemed and we can start looking like him again. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've not met anybody yet who's all the way there. Some of the godliest people I know still have sin. We still fail. But one day, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. And we shall be like him, another scripture says, for we shall see him as he is. That's the promise of scripture. And one day what God started way back in the Garden of Eden will be fulfilled in the very presence of God. We'll be per- How many would be glad to get rid of these bodies? You say, I- I'm tired of this old body. It hurts and it aches and it's painful and all these things. 
Do you know that that body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And that's something to think about that. This, this vessel of broken clay is the temple of the Holy Ghost if we'll let him, if we'll submit to him. And so what does this all mean? Why does Satan attack, or how does he attack this image? Here's my last thing, the devaluation of this image. The devaluation of this image. If I believe the man just evolved from the apes, then he has no value. But if I believe that man is created in the image of God, and though he has sinned, doesn't represent God very well spiritually, he's still created in his image and he's special to God, that gives him value. After man sinned and we began to devalue the image of God, how long did it take for murder to creep into the world? I don't know when Cain and Abel were born. The Bible doesn't say how long Adam and Eve lived. But Seth was 130, Adam was 130 when Seth came along, and it seems like that was shortly after the death of Abel. And so Cain and Abel might have been 100 years old. They might have been 129 years old. I don't know how long it took Adam and Eve to have a child after after they were here on the earth. But let's say at the very earliest, they were 129 and three months old. But that's not a very long time, is it? But how many of you know that murder probably wasn't the first sin? <laughs> it takes a long time to build up to something like that, doesn't it? Cain had likely been struggling with anger and rage and jealousy in his heart for years. And he wasn't the only one. There was others upon the face of the earth. Later on, we will read of another who, who killed a man. He says, to my own wounding. And, and, and if God was going to avenge Cain, he would avenge him sevenfold. And so we see throughout the scriptures that things become unraveled very quickly. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says the wickedness of man was coming up into the face of God. So much so that God desired to, to, needed to judge the entire earth and he wiped it out with a flood. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and him and seven others were saved. And that's it. Out of the entire population of the earth at that time. You say, well, it couldn't have been that many. We're, we're talking about into uh, 1400 and I believe it's about 1460 years into human history. A lot of people have been born. And don't forget those people live 900 years. And how many kids can you have in 900 years? That's a lot. Well, you think you've got a big family. And so the earth has been growing and sin has been rampant. We read in Genesis 6 about the wickedness of man. I, I'm reminded in the Bible about Tamar, David's daughter, who was raped by her own brother. We see in Genesis chapter, or Exodus chapter 22. Do you know what Exodus chapter 22 tells us? Over and over again, it gives all kinds of laws. Or sorry, Exodus chapter 21, uh, verse 22. But it gives us all kinds of laws for people. Do you know what some of those laws are? In Exodus, way back in Exodus chapter 21, a man shouldn't dress like a woman. In Exodus chapter 21, verse 22, it says, If a man harm a woman and the fruit of her womb departs from her. It's warning against abortion or the killing of a child in a womb. I heard a preacher the other day say, you know, we hate children in our society. We hate them so much we kill them in the womb. And it's true. I'm just saying this. When we stop realizing 
that man was created in the image of God, we begin to devalue human life. And we see rape, and we see murder, and we see trafficking of children, and the abuse of people. We see abortion. You say, why? Because Satan hates the image of God. And he is so smart. He is so smart, he doesn't even have to do anything anymore. He just has to tell this guy that this guy isn't worth anything, that he came from monkeys, that he wasn't creating God's image. He isn't special unto God. He doesn't have a soul worth saving. And the world has gone out of their minds with hatred. Let me tell you this. A few years ago, well, it's been probably 16, 17 years ago now when we lived in Hamilton, there was a story on the news about a week apart. This happened about a week apart, really happened, where some lady was driving down the QEW with her husband and they were having a fight. And in order to get his attention or to threaten him in somehow, or she was in some place of despair, I don't know what caused her to do it, she took her baby and she held it out the window on the QEW going 120 kilometers an hour, and she threatened to throw that baby out on the highway and kill that baby. You say, what happened to her? Well, she got counseling, rightfully so. She needed help. Obviously, something is wrong. But they never took the child from her at all. She never got any penalty or jail time. They said, well, she's sick and she needs help, and okay. One week later, somebody went along the QEW and they threw a puppy out the window and killed the puppy. Guess how long that guy got in jail? From what I heard, he got sentenced for five years and he served three for killing that puppy on the highway. Think about that. We value the life of animals more than the life of human beings in this world. We will, we will kill a baby in the womb. But if you go and willfully kill an animal or hurt an animal, you're going to jail. Now, I'm not advocating you do any of that. Understand me. But isn't our society out of control? We have no value for human life because we stopped believing a long time ago that man was created in the image of God. And so Satan has attacked it. Think about this. If I could just close with this illustration. We had four kids. And we had two boys and two girls. Well, we still do, by the way. (laughs) And we had a boy, and then we had a girl, then we had a boy, then we had a girl. In case you haven't heard, I got a couple grandsons. I don't know if you know that. I like talking about that. But you know those kids, I'd like to tell you that they always got along. I'd like to be able to say that. Did your kids always get along? 100% all the time. Never fought, never argued. Well, our, our kids, that brother Roberts, and Pastor Roberts, let me tell you something about him. He grew up with four sisters. And he treated them all like princesses. I know that. But we all, we all have those different circumstances. Sometimes we argue and we fight. Brother Roberts never got to use a bathroom in his house ever in his life. <laughs> but our kids would sometimes, they'd get after it. They'd be angry. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. They'd be sitting in the car. How many of you parents can relate? 
Mom, Emily's on my side. Look, one finger is over the middle. That was Austin. That's just the way they did it. I'm not lying to you. We would hear this. Mom, Austin's looking out my window. That's just kids, isn't it? And they would fight and they'd bicker. And they'd get angry with each other and they'd wrestle and all kinds of things. Do you know who that hurt the most? It hurt mom and I. It hurt us the most. We hated to see that. Hey, that's your best friend. God gave you a brother and a sister to love, to protect one another. That hurt us the most. I think Satan knows that. And when he can get him saying, you're not worth nothing. That baby in the womb is nothing but a clump of cells that we can abort and kill. No, no, that was created in the very image of God. Well, you know what the Bible says about a baby in the womb? They were fearfully and wonderfully made. God said that he possessed the reins even in the womb. It's incredible to think what we will do in the name of convenience and science. Let me tell you, none of that is true. It's all hatred. Satan is a murderer and he hates us. And he's seeking whom he may devour. That doesn't sound kind, does it? But the best way he does is he just gets us to devalue human life and say, you're not worth a thing. And so go and attack each other. And Satan sits back and he giggles and he laughs. I got thinking about this the other day. Years ago, there was a student from Crown College, Christian Bible College, and he was misguided and he, he sinned. And he went and he bombed an abortion clinic. He did that. And I thought, you know, as much as I hate abortion, and they were killing helpless unborn babies in that place, Satan got just as much joy out of that guy bombing that clinic and killing all those people. Because he devalued human life just as much as they did. And Satan just kicks his feet back and he giggles and he laughs as the world goes to hell. Because we look at one another and say, you're not worth a thing. You're not created in the image of God. God help us. God help us. And God help our world. And if we can educate people, I, I don't know, we protest and we march and we say save the babies and all the rest. But it's a heart issue. They need to come to know God first. And once they know God and they realize that they were created in his image and that others are as well, perhaps we can see a restoration. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting when somebody gets saved, truly born again, you never have to tell them abortion's wrong? You never have to say that, that hurting others is wrong or stealing is wrong, disrespecting people is wrong. Because we begin to respect one another because we realize they're created in God's image. Those are God's kids. And I'm not going to mess with them. God help us. Father, I pray that you just speak to our hearts and help us tonight. Lord, just to take what we've learned and help it to just deepen our understanding about the world around us. And Father, we so often forget, though we're created in the image of God, we, 
We are after the similitude of Adam. We are sinners. And Lord, the world's problem is not necessarily all these issues we talk about. Their problem is they don't have Christ. And that through this we can see that Christ is the answer. Romans chapter 5 tells us that as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, but also by one man we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ and through his grace and his mercy. And though sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that that would be our message. Man is lost, but we have a great Savior. And so, Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts and help us. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. We'll just sing a hymn of invitation. And, you know, if you'd like to pray, God bless you. You can come and pray. Maybe there's somebody you're praying for that's thinking about some of these things we talked about and they need the grace of God to speak to them, help them to see what they need through Jesus Christ. of that the power of the cross amen let's sing the first verse of that song oh to see the dawn of the darkest day Oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the Thank you for being here today. Enjoy your holiday tomorrow. I guess there's a bonfire, Brother Tony. See here somewhere? Brother Tony's hosting a barbecue and a bonfire down by the bus barn. And if you'd like to take part in that, I hope that you can stay and enjoy that tonight. You might want to run home and get change your clothes and come back. That's fine. They'll be here for a while tonight. Just bring a lawn chair and enjoy the campfire. Brother Paul, we're praying for somebody. Can you go ahead? She had a heart attack, was in hospital. They, get, they put a stint in her, and she's supposed to be coming home, but they don't know when. So be in prayer for Gladys, Linda's sister. Amen. Well, it's good to have uh, the Scott Ashby family here tonight. Pastor, Pastor Ashby is in Milton, and we're so thankful. Graceway Baptist Church, is that correct? And we're so thankful you're here tonight. Would you close our source with a word of prayer for us tonight? Sure, come on up if you like. That's fine. How long have you been there now, Pastor? How long have you been there now? You're thinking, okay. 2006, I guess it is. 2006? Yes. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Let's pray. 
Father, we do rejoice that we can be found together tonight with the saints. Thank you for the mercy that is ours in Christ. Uh, thank you for uh, the, the image of God in which you have created us, but even re- recognize that because of sin, you have, uh, that image has been marred. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the power of transformation that it gives us. And uh, we pray that uh, day by day, hour by hour, as we continue to live for you, that you will change us into uh, a more accurate image of your son, Jesus Christ. Go, go with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you.